there is a shocking new poll. 50% of the younger generation would prefer to live in a socialist country. That's coming up. In an interview last week, Ilan Omar bashed Obama. She said that Barack Obama's promise of hope and change was a mirage. She talked about Obama caging kids and droning countries all around the world. Talked about Obama caging kids. Then she denied it. She said she never said it. So the interviewer released the tape and it totally confirmed exactly what was claimed that she did make those comments. You know, so it's not just Jews that Elon Omar likes to bash. President Trump has a new budget proposal where he wants to cut spending and balance the budget. I never thought I'd hear those words again from a politician balancing the budget. So that's very exciting. He's unveiling the proposal today, Monday, with all the details. Of course, he will have to get through Congress. Ocasio-Cortez gave a speech describing her dream of a socialist country. By the way, Howard Schultz it bashed Ocasio-Cortez. We'll tell you about that coming up. Bashed the Green New Deal and says that people like Ocasio-Cortez are going to bring down the country. But here's what Ocasio-Cortez, she said, the problem with the United States is that you need to work if you want to live. This is the problem, that if you want to live, you need to work. And this is what she's trying to tackle. It's not even true in the United States. Plenty of people don't work and live just fine, thanks to all the government programs. But this is the problem that she has. Now, this should not surprise us. Ocasio-Cortez is a professed socialist. She said people should be able, this is basically what she said, people should be able to not work and still live good, happy lives. The problem is all these people... They have to work if they want to live their life. So this is, look, very much much in line. Remember, the Green New Deal said that it will support people who are unable or unwilling to work. So Ocasio-Cortez already told us this, that she wants to support. But no, it wasn't her. It was doctored by Republicans. She said she wants to support people unwilling to work. So she's just uh, reaffirming that same message again and again. She, she also talked about a 90% corporate tax rate. This literally, the speech could have been written by Karl Marx himself. Now, remember, we told you 50% of millennials would prefer to live in a socialist country. So you got Ocasio-Cortez, the millennial, speaking this message, which is resonating with so many young people. I want money. I want government handouts. I don't want to have to work for it. Now, and keep in mind, Bernie Sanders, he got a huge chunk of the Democrat vote in 2016. Now, yeah, granted, he was running against Hillary Clinton, the extremely unpopular Hillary. El Chapo possibly could have beaten Hillary Clinton. So I'll give you that. But Bernie Sanders still is becoming a growing celebrity almost among young Democrats, you know, with his socialist policies. Now, where does this come from? This incredible desire for socialism. We told you young people, they, they were too young to remember the Soviet Union and that whole disaster. But really, Obama was very involved in creating this mess. Obama's socialist agenda, Obamacare, and all of his other expansion of government programs, he got people addicted. People have become addicted to government programs, to government handouts. Don't distract them by pointing out that every socialist country in history has gone down in flames. They are addicted to this, and Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders are feeding off that addiction. That's really what's going on. Ocasio-Cortez also made a comment. She said, if you don't have a job in the United States, you're left to die. Really, you're left to die. You're just fine if you don't have a job, but you know what? If you don't have a job, you can become a bartender and then move on to becoming a congresswoman. And you can give your chief of staff a million dollars illegally in campaign donations 
to spread that wealth around. You know, Ocasio-Cortez complains that corporations are stealing taxpayer dollars. She takes a million dollars in campaign donations and pays it to this company that's run by her very own chief of staff. Does that seem a little fishy to you? Oh, but she's a Democrat, so don't investigate her. And by the way, talk about achieving the American dream. 29 years old, go from bartender to to congresswoman. What other country in the world can you unseat a veteran congressman and become this very popular congresswoman at age 29? Unfortunately, she's very popular. You know, the establishment in every government always keeps the control for themselves. So the very society that gave her this enormous opportunity that she literally could not have had anywhere else, she just continues to bash because that's how she gains popularity. So as we told you, this new Harris poll, the younger generation is totally fine with socialism. They prefer socialism. So of millennials, 60, 66% of millennials believe the government should provide so, uh, health care, universal health care. Now, but then the younger generation, post-millennial, it goes up to 73%. So the younger they get, the more they embrace socialism. Of the millennials, 56% believe the government should provide free college tuition. Of course, right? Why should you pay for college tuition? Let the government do it. Uh, uh, post-millennials, the younger crowd, 67% believe the government should provide free college tuition. And the younger generation, in general, has a more positive view of the word socialism. Remember, socialism actually used to be a dirty word, even with Democrats, believe it or not. But that is all changing. And, you know, as I said, it, it's really a big part of this is Obama and the shift. If Hillary had been elected, she was not nearly as socialist. I'm not saying I'm a fan of Hillary. She was very liberal. But Obama was even worse, believe it or not. Okay, so Howard Schultz, he said that people like Ocasio-Cortez, they're making these outrageous promises that are totally unrealistic. And he says all that's doing is he's in, is it's ensuring President Trump's re-election. And I happen to agree with him. And I hope that this keeps happening, this trend, because it will ensure President Trump's re-election. By the way, if Howard Schultz runs as a third-party candidate, that will also very make it very likely that President Trump will win because he will split the Democrat vote. Now, here's the, sh- the quote from Schultz. This is unbelievable because, remember, this is a liberal. Quote, there's nothing free in America. These proposals about Medicare for all, free college, a government job for everybody, that is not free. Somebody's going to have to pay for that, and that means taxes for everyone is going to have to go up or someone's going to have to wave a magic wand and do something that does not exist but it has to be paid for by somebody. And the difficulty in trying to pay is that we're sitting with $22 trillion in debt that has to be addressed. Not realistic. So Howard Schultz, really the only one saying this, except now we told you Trump, we'll get to the details, wants to actually balance the budget, cut the deficit, and hopefully pay off some of the debt. But Schultz says somebody has to pay. I love this illusion where, oh, don't worry, it's the big corporations. So somebody is paying for it. It's not free health care. Free college, Medicare for all. So he is really bashing that idea. And again, when we say it, people roll their eyes. But Howard Schultz, who's supposed to be a liberal, oh, don't worry. The Democrats will still figure out a way to roll their eyes at him. But it's a very big deal. All right, we do have a very exciting announcement here on the Yaakov M. Show. Mir Tashem, in the next couple of days, we are going to be switching to a new hotline. So we'll be giving you all the details. But as a Hashem, and we do plan to have news clips on the new hotline. So I know a lot of people have asked for that, so we're very excited. Some other things as well. So hopefully, as I said, later in the week, we'll tell you the details. Keep an eye on that. Almost all the Democrat candidates at this point have denied being a socialist, yet they support all their socialist policies. So it's like, I'm not a socialist. Well, but you believe in the Green New Deal, Medicare for all, free college tuition, uh, uh, abolishing 
health insurance company. Well, yeah, I, I believe in all those things, but I'm not a social. Don't call me a social. I'm a capitalist. So this is what they're trying to do is they're trying to hedge. And, and they know that all these programs are extremely popular. So if they want to compete with people like Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, they've got to support all these radical leftist socialist policies. But wait a second, socialist is still a dirty word. Maybe not with the younger crew, but the older generation. So if I'm going to win in some of these states, uh, I can't be officially a socialist. And they actually think that voters are going to fall for it. Maybe Democrat voters will. I think a lot of them will be way too smart to buy into this. It, it, it really is beyond disingenuous believing in all these socialist. Well, yeah, I believe in cutting spending, cutting taxes, small government, but I'm not a conservative. Don't call me a conservative. I mean, I would never say that, but you, you get my point. All right. As I said, President Trump unveiling new budget for 2020, proposing massive spending cuts. Yes, President Trump is finally discussing spending cuts. And I think the reason is when November 2020 comes around, they don't want to Trump doesn't want Democrats to point to him and say, look at this man. He's he's made our debt inflate to 22, 23 trillion dollars. And we have a trillion dollar deficit. We have a trillion dollar a year budget deficit right now in the United States. It is unthinkable. It is unconscionable that we have such a huge, huge budget deficit and nobody discusses cutting spending except Rand Paul and now President Trump. So I, I assume that's the reason he's proposing this. The problem is the Democrats are in control of the House. The pr problem is, why didn't this happen under Paul Ryan? Even if Paul Ryan's the one who allowed the debt to balloon to a trillion dollars a year. So even the Republicans don't want this to happen other than Rand Paul, the lone voice in the wilderness, and maybe Ted Cruz. And, you know, maybe Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, the, 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 the two big conservatives. Anyway, this is projected to, they're going to unveil the details, projected to cut, the, to balance the budget with over 15 years. Somehow it's a $2.7 trillion, $2.7 trillion spending cut overall. I'm not sure how long it's going to take to make those, those cuts. Now, it also includes $8.6 billion in funding for a border wall, this new budget. So Trump is still demanding a, a large chunk of money for the border wall, $8.6 billion. Pelosi and Schumer have already said, hasn't Trump learned his lesson? But here's the issue with this, uh, with these spending cuts. Uh, it, it's it's, it's non-defense discretionary spending. In, in other words, it's not, it's not going to cut the defense budget, which is, of course, a very good thing. And it's also not going to cut the entitlement spending, the non-discretionary spending. So entitlement, social programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, Obamacare. It's not going to cut any of those. Those are untouchable. The Democrats will never, ever vote, and they need Democrat votes. They'll never, ever vote for a budget that cuts entitlements, that cuts the, the social programs. That's their lifeblood. That's the Democrat Party. That's what they live on. So that, that leaves very little wiggle room of cuts. That's, that's basically what's happening over here. So the question is, what exactly is President Trump going to cut in order to do this, to, to, to balance the budget? And, uh, you know, will the Democrats be on board? They never are with spending cuts. And like I said, even many moderate Republicans. Now, part of this is they're going to force colleges to swallow student loan defaults. What happens is so many people uh, default on these student loans and it ends up being costing the taxpayers, you and me, the money. So they want the colleges, universities to swallow some of these things. That's a big part of this. They're also going to negotiate, you know, uh, pharmaceutical uh, costs and those types of things. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, and again, Congress is going to change this in all sorts of ways from the original proposal. It always works that way. But they're actually discussing spending cuts. And you know what? I wonder if Howard Schultz has something to do with this. All right. Adam Schiff says, 
It's a mistake for Bob Mueller to have Trump submit written answers to his testimony. He should testify in person. Mueller shouldn't allow Trump to submit written answers. Now, Adam Schiff has gotten very frustrated with Bob Mueller. And as it continues to leak out, these lowering of expectations, uh, Mueller, obstruction, collusion, we're not sure exactly what he's going to accuse Trump of. Adam Schiff is very disappointed. He's been building this up for two years, how Mueller's going to have these bombshells and they're going to possibly impeach President Trump and bring him down. And as time goes on, the expectations get lower. Well, maybe Bob Mueller once found President Trump looking at somebody funny and he's going to put that in the report. Anyway, so Schiff says, when you quote, when you get written answers from a witness, it's really the lawyer's answer as much as the client's answer. So what's he he's saying? Trump sits there with his lawyer writing the answers up. Now, I have news for you. When they testify in person, they also prepare with the lawyer heavily, do a lot of preparation, especially the president of the United States. So that's also coming from legal advice, which as well it should be, by the way. You should always speak to a lawyer if you're going to testify, obviously. So what's what's Schiff's real answer? What, what's his real point over here? His point is, you know, you know there's no reason. You, you could tell the truth with written answers. You could tell the truth when you testify in person. You can lie. You can lie when you write. You can lie uh, under oath. So what's Schiff saying? Schiff is saying, well, if he writes the answers, his lawyer is going to tell him to lie. But if he's there in person, he's going to tell the truth. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. What Schiff really means is that when he testifies in person, you can trip him up. You're more likely to get nervous, to get intimidated. You have a lawyer cross-examining you, trying to get you confused, trying to get you to contradict him yourself. It's a perjury trap. As Alan Dershowitz himself has said numerous times, Getting Trump to testify in person would easily be a perjury trap, trying to get him to contradict himself, trying to get him to contradict something that somebody else testified, and then you have a he said, he said type of situation. That's what Schiff really means, and are we surprised? Schiff is desperate. You know, he if, if they don't impeach President Trump, or if they don't at least have some really, really damaging evidence against President Trump, Schiff is going to look... So silly after all these years, after hundreds and hundreds of appearances on television promising people that they were going to get President Trump. Um, you know, I heard, I was listening to the radio, and they had an ABC News reporter, uh, and they asked him about uh, Elon Omar's comments. And he said, you know, I'm Jewish. This is what he said. He said that he is Jewish, and he's sensitive to anti-Semitism. He said, but Elon Omar, let's not throw around the term anti-Semitism. He says... Uh, she's guilty of ignorance. She doesn't know the history. She doesn't realize the accusations against Jews and dual loyalty, how deep that runs and how much damage that did, how many deaths that led to in the past. Uh, so he says she's guilty of ignorance. And give credit to the interviewer, he challenged the guy. And he said, ignorance? He said she says this multiple times, again and again. How could she claim ignorance? And great point. And, and, and as we've told you, and the response of the reporter, well, he just dodged the question. He just kind of moved on and talked about some other angle of this. Very, very, And this is a Jewish man, Jewish reporter. How outrageous is this? Just like Pelosi, that, you know, they cannot handle a Democrat who's actually anti-Semitic. They don't know what to do with themselves. So they're coming up with these extremely weak, lame, pathetic excuses. She's guilty of ignorance. This is what they say. And the real depressing part is, you know how many Jews, how many non-from Jews are still going to vote Democrat? Here you have the Democrat Party clearly being complicit with this anti-Semitic Muslim in Congress, right? And uh, and we know that the vast majority of non-from, now from Jews, whole different story, Baruch Hashem, but non-from Jews, they they vote Democrat. They're, they're, they're so loyal to the Democrat Party. They're, they're living 
in like 50 years ago when the Democrat Party still was very pro-Jewish and maybe perhaps the Republicans not as much, but things have shifted so dramatically. And just watch in 2020, we know that the Jews will come out and vote Democrat again, despite this whole fiasco. All right, let me just say this about Michael Cohen, and we're going to end with this. You know, the media keeps asking, can we believe Cohen? Was he lying or not? They caught Cohen in all these lies, even last week. And, and, and it's unbelievable how... You know, if you're asking the question, you know, if he's going to jail for lying to Congress, you're asking the question, well, was he lying or not? Then his te- then th- th- it's over right there. Once you're asking that question, game over. His testimony is meaningless. Just throw it all out. You cannot be asking. I understand that you never know for sure if somebody's telling the truth when they testify. But if like we have to sit there deliberating, well, he told these lies before and even now they're accusing him of all these lies. Are you kidding me? Once that is the question, then he has zero credibility. Now, the other thing is the media is spinning this. They're saying, well, yeah, Michael, you know, because he told at least two new lies last week. They asked him if he wanted a job at the Trump White House. He said unequivocally he did not. And it turns out everybody knew that he wanted a job in the White House. And they asked him if he asked President Trump for a pardon. He said, I never asked President Trump for a pardon. Well, clearly his lawyer did ask President Trump for a pardon. His lawyer admitted that. And Mike, Trump says, President Trump says, Michael Cohen asked me directly for a pardon. And I believe Trump way before I believe Michael Cohen. So at least those two lies that he told. So the, the media now said, well, we knew he was a liar to Congress. The point is the evidence that he brought them. He brought new evidence. He brought physical evidence. Well, number one, why did he need to testify? Just give us the evidence. Number two, this was supposed to be his big redemption. He said that he repented. He reflected on how evil he was for those 10 years. And now he's finally changed his ways. He's not going to lie anymore. So it was total disgrace here that the Democrats brought Michael Cohen. This is the first witness brought by the Democrats since they took over Congress to testify. The very first witness was a man who lied to Congress and is now going to jail. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Very exciting, busy Monday, and we will see you next time.